So I retired from my ministry of caring for children and parents and educators after 40 years. It was difficult to leave, and then it was difficult to find my footing afterwards. There was a whole year of grief, and I felt that, whoa, we don't talk about this in society at all. Today's episode is part one of a two-part discussion with Elena, who has recently moved on from a career she loved for over 40 years to a new chapter in her life, retirement. Throughout the episode, Elena shares how the process of retiring was an emotional roller coaster for her with unexpected twists and turns. But for those who struggle with this major identity shift, Elena says that if you approach the process with openness, self-compassion, and surrender, it offers a beautiful and profound opportunity for deep personal and spiritual growth. Hey, it's Ron Thiessen. Welcome to another episode of the Human Being Project by The Change Evolutionist, where my daughter Janelle and I explore the difference between being and doing. In a world of constant distractions, sky-high expectations, and the relentless pursuit of more, we examine what would happen if we made space for more being and less doing. So it's a year and three, four months now. And I've come out on the other side. I mean, there's there are moments of grief. Like if I go by the daycare, then I can feel it in the heart center still. And to find that I am not less or unworthy or even invisible to the rest. You know, all of a sudden I was at home by myself, not hearing the children the parents, the educators, and having meaning and purpose mm. in my life. I had to really, really stay with that. And the, the challenge was not to grasp. I could have grasped, oh, mm. let's go do this. Oh, let's go do that mm. um, out, of, uh, out of fears. But I chose to stay with it because I knew that that was where the healing was going to be, coming mm. out of grief and then seeing, okay, life now is going to bring what it needs to bring. How did you deal with that, that feeling like I want to grasp at something because I don't feel like I have any worth because I've left my work here or as you call it, ministry to these kids. So how did you deal with that? What process did you go through to come to a place where you were okay with it? God. Hmm. So prayer, I have my faith. Okay. So the trust, I was committed to that process. I knew that, as the Buddhists would say, you know, life is painful, but there's a reward at the end. So I knew I had to stay the course. I cried a lot. I mean, I sobbed. I was fully in my grief. I felt the feelings of loneliness, of feeling unworthy, of feeling confused. I stayed with it and I meditated a lot. I used mm -hmm. the community online, meditation groups. You know, when you offered a few times last year as well. So that was good. And walked 
and just stayed with it and stayed with it. And slowly but surely, about, I'd say, eight months later, there started to be a little shift. So less pain, more hope, Mm. more light, Mm. but lots and lots of meditation, uh, lots of prayer. Mm. The belief also, we have to believe Mm. It's not in the grabbing. The grabbing is an instant gratification and a panic response. And a panic response. Yes, yes. Yeah, I could have, you know, oh, yes, let's go do this. Yes, let's go work at Tim Hortons and offer coffee with a smile. You know, know? Uh, so seriously, what kinds of things did you think about in the grasping and then what did you actually end up doing as you went through the eight or so months of grieving? How have you adjusted your life in such a way that, that you're finding fulfillment? So what I did do was I started to find the little routine in the day, you know, waking yeah. up and prayer and then going for walks every day. So taking care of myself and the mindset was in preparation for what's going to come. And so, yeah, it was really a mindset. It will come. It came before. Yes. Mm. And it will Mm -hmm. come again. Mm. I love that. Mm. And it was really in preparation of that. Like, okay, I feel lonely now. I'm grieving. And it's all part of the journey. Oh, my gosh. I love that. And. This was the record every day. And then slowly, okay, I'll put some music and, oh, I'll listen to some chanting, you know, making space, making space, making space. Mm -hmm. And then one day I saw at the St. Ignatius Center that the program for being a prayer companion to people, so helping people in their spiritual journey, at space available, and I discerned it, and I entered that program. And that was last year. So that came, you know, a few months later, that came. And then I got a call, oh, can you do a workshop? And I discerned, Mm. and that came. And so I wasn't grabbing. The universe was, once again, opening the doors, and I knew that, I'd be in the right place using my God-given gifts, you know. Wow. So twice you used that word discern, you discerned. Can you tell me exactly what you mean by that? Yes. So the discernment is pretty much part of my spiritual life. Oh, what was his name? The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Stephen Covey? Yes. So he speaks about, you know, in the business sense, uh, having the ladder uh, on Mm. the right side of the wall. Right. Stephen Covey, in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, references the ladder metaphor Elena is referring to, which is, if the ladder is not leaning against the right wall, every step we take just gets us to the wrong place faster. Covey talks about this in habit number two, begin with the end in mind, which means to start with a clear understanding of your destination. He says you need to know where you're going in order to better understand where you are now so that the steps you take are always 
in the right direction. It's easy to get caught up in an activity trap, in the busyness of life, to work harder and harder at climbing the ladder of success, only to discover it's been leaning against the wrong wall. When I speak about it in the spiritual sense, it's about discerning that I am responding to a call that is bigger than me. For me, it's God. For somebody else, it might be what their soul is saying or what their heart is saying, what the universe is calling them to do. So it's about discerning and how I feel in what I'm bringing to meditation or prayer about that. So it's a dialogue that I'm having with whomever you want to call. And then it's about, okay, how do I feel about that? And in doing that, of course, I'm presuming and you're listening to your heart as opposed to your head when you're discerning, right? It's something that you feel deep inside rather than something you rationalize with your mind. Yes. And that's how I know that I'm aligned with Mm. the universe and Mm. my spirit and my body, my mind, you know, that I'm aligned. I'm on the right path. The ladder is going on the right side of the wall. (laughs) You know? Yeah. That's a good feeling to know, isn't it? Oh, my gosh, yes. (laughs) Also, it's a response. As Janelle was pointing out, panic reaction. So it's not panic reaction. Mm -hmm. And it's not a mindless decision. It's a mindful decision. When you talk about mindfulness, well, then the flip side of that is mindlessness. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's important to have that feeling of okay, I'm in the right place. I'm responding and not reacting. And and usually you end up feeling that you're doing something for the greater good, you know, Mm -hmm. and you're using your gifts. Can you talk about the difference between the grasping and the knowing? You know, during those eight months, I guess you, you could have grasped many things. So what's the difference in the feeling of grasping and the feeling in discerning? In the grasping, you usually might feel some anxiety. Ego is there. It's, oh, wow, I'm seen. I'm validating. It's exterior. It's about, there's the thought, I don't want to be forgotten. I better grab this now in case I have too much time on my hands. Um, so it's very thinking. Mm. It's not heartfelt. So it's Mm. very much ego-driven. There's Mm. fear. What if? Oh, Mm. what if I won't have enough money? There's ego in there. Mm. Mm. In the knowing, it's because we've crossed through the valley. (laughs) Mm. We stayed. We stayed Mm. until we get more clarity. But Mm. usually there's some suffering And deep questioning too, right? Like, what am I doing? I should be doing this or I should be doing that. How am I proving my worth here? I love that. Exactly. That's right. And when someone would ask me almost every day, so what did you do today? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Oh my gosh. What am I going to say? Come up with something. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then the day after, the anxiety is there. Ooh, what am I going to do? I better do something because today someone's <laughs> going to ask me, what did you do today? What did you do today? Not how have you been today? <laughs> right. <laughs> being. Right. Yes. I was in a conversation uh, just yesterday with this this guy who's, I think he's uh, about 73 or 74. And uh, my wife said to him, so what do you do now? He said, nothing. I'm retired. <laughs> Only kid, right? Like, uh, yeah, but Janelle, you brought up such an important point because that happened over and over again. What did you do today? You know, mm-hmm. because it, it takes a lot to just be in the being. You know, I really appreciated your podcast from last week. Um, mm-hmm. I thought, wow, okay. With the social media, with the cell phones, uh, with technology, with the internet, um, it's hard to just be in the being. And that includes for children as well. We see children as young as two, three already on an iPad, you know, mm-hmm. and they do is go in a restaurant and there's families with children. The adults are engaged in conversation and the children have a screen in front of them. Yes. It would be very interesting to hear your actual internal struggle there, because I know you've talked about the tools that you use, but I'm sure there were some dark times and there's, there's going to be people that are probably in the dark time that are wondering how in the heck do I take one step to get out of here? Cause this is a funk Mm -hmm. that I can't see an end to it's over. You know, my career is over. Therefore my life is over. Mm -hmm. So I'd be curious to know, like, First of all, did you feel that? Did you have those feelings? And then what did you do? I felt very alone, uh, misunderstood. Mm. Oh, like totally misunderstood. Nobody got me. There's one person. um, I mean, I won't name the person. Having somebody, a lifeline, that's very helpful. At least one person and therapy. So I had my therapy. Instead of every three weeks, it was weekly for a while. Now I recognize not everybody could afford that either. But therapy, a spiritual director, those are free. So having a lifeline, that's important because you Mm. are alone, but you need a lifeline. For sure. Because it is dark and we are very misunderstood um, and it's not talked about enough. When your life is changing like that in front of you, whether it's, a, a, you know, a divorce or illness or retirement, even if it's just the change of a role, like, for example, motherhood, when my son turned 18 and graduated, that was huge. It was like, what the heck? What is my purpose now? Yes. Mm-hmm. So any kind of milestone moment in your life where you feel there's a role reversal or a role has come to an end. And, you know, as human beings, Eckhart Tolle talks about this. We just, we're addicted to our roles. I need to be a mother or I am a CEO. They define us. And when they come to an end, it's like a loss of identity, right? Yes. Yeah. Loss of identity and of how we knew ourselves to be or how life to be. And again, now there's a void. Mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. enter a painful transition. And mm. when it's to happen, grief. And yes. we don't do enough of that as a society. 
And I think it's the Buddhists that say, like, we shed every day. Every day, there's a little death. We're born, and then every day, there's a little death till the final death. And I'm really aware of that. More so being 61, I'm really aware of that. And that was the other thing. It was uh, with that grief. For me, it happened. I was 60. So there's also the mortality piece that came in there. Oh, okay. Uh, Give or take 10, 20 years, if I'm lucky. There's so much behind me. There's the 40 years behind me. Mm. And how do I consolidate all that? It reminds me of something that Wayne Dyer says in The Power of Intention. He talks about, uh, he, he says, you know, death is inevitable for all of us. So you can decide that you're going to live in the fear of death all of your life and miss a lot of living, or you can uh, put yourself what he calls on the active side of infinity. The full quote by Wayne Dyer comes from the book, Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life. And it goes like this. Experience life on the active side of infinity, knowing yourself first and foremost as a spiritual being, having a temporary human experience rather than the other way around. It's a very interesting concept and a very interesting way of looking at it. Well, I've already accepted the fact that I'm going to die at some point in time. So now I just say that's coming whenever it comes. I'm going to live my life to the fullest rather than living it with any fear of dying. But I understand it when you say that you've got to make this transition about mortality. That's that's very interesting. I guess I've experienced that a little bit in the last year or so, thinking about taking things down. I actually feel like I've retired from a lot of different things in my life. Over the course of my life, I've retired from certain things. So the retirement is not as scary, but it's this th- feeling that life is moving on and you are getting older. And now I'm finding that a lot of people around me that I know are dying or they're ill or they're, you know, they're incapacitated in some way. And, and it does really bring to the forefront your mortality. And then I find that daily, I just have to make a decision about what I do with that. You know, do I wake up in the morning and say, I'm a day closer, or do I wake up in the morning and say, this is another day I get to live. And I choose usually to, when I get up, I say, "Ah, this is another day for me to live. What am I going to do with the, the day today? For me, the thing is to remember that I'm a human being and not a human doing. So if I say, what am I going to do today? Uh, now that whole productive discussion comes into focus. And, you know, am I going to be productive and produce things out here? Or am I going to be productive and produce things in here? Yes. I love it, Dad. Yes. That's beautiful. How are you going to show up? Show up. Exactly. For yourself yeah. first. Yes. And then everybody else. And I think we forget that. We think, oh, I got to show up and, you know, be something for other people, even in the being part. I get stuck there sometimes. I'm like, uh, the being is reflected back to me when other people are feeling happy or encouraged or inspired by me. That means I'm being. No, it's not dependent. Once again, that's just doing. It's not dependent on how everyone else around me is responding. Like you were saying, Elena, it comes from inside of you. And the only way that it can come from inside of you, that sense of being, is by nurturing it the way that you were talking about through meditation. I I wanted to go back to the spiritual director. You said spiritual director. I was very intrigued by that because what is that and how do you get one? 
Well, you said they're free. So So sign me up. Where? Where do I go? Does it have to be a church? No. You know, I'll go to church once in a while, but the institution is one thing. And then the spiritual uh, development is another thing. So a spiritual director is someone who has studied how to accompany somebody in their spiritual development, whether it be in helping that person grow deeper in their faith, whatever their faith might be, or go deeper in their own spirituality in whichever way they need it to be. So it's someone that bears a sacred space for you, either only at the spiritual level, which I do more of, or you can ask for a spiritual director that can really accompany you through your faith, if if that is what you prefer. So including a lot more of God in there and also through prayer and scripture and, and then looking at how that reflects on your daily life. Mm. So it's different than a psychologist or a therapist in that this is really to accompany you to really go deeper and develop that part of your spirituality. Like some people might consider pursuing spirituality through yoga or or doing group meditations or like are these, is it a, a difference of verbiage here? Are these places that you would go to nurture your spirit or is this like a, a spiritual mentor that you're talking about? Spiritual mentor. Okay. Mm. I love this idea. So for myself, I've studied now, I've completed the prayer companionship program, which gives me the right to accompany someone within this context. And I have discerned. And so I will continue in September for the final two years. And then I can accompany someone as a spiritual director. A spiritual director is most commonly found in the Catholic Church, but a pastor or layperson can also serve as one. They're trained to put aside their own agenda, their assumptions and judgments, and even their thoughts in order to fully listen to you and your spirit and encourage you on your journey through spiritual growth. You typically meet with a spiritual director at no cost to you, once a month, and it's for the sole purpose of deepening your relationship between your physical and spiritual self. In the Montreal area, Elena recommends the Ignatian Spirituality Center of Montreal for spiritual retreats and spiritual direction. For more information on how to find your own spiritual director, check out the show notes. You don't have to suffer through major life changes. I hope you'll join us next week for part two of our discussion with Elena, where she talks about raising your level of consciousness through presence and awareness, and shares with us her favorite practices for recalibrating when she feels disconnected from her spiritual essence. Together, we'll explore how to prepare your inner space to receive and embrace your divine calling. Trust me, you don't want to miss it. What did you think of this shorter episode? Let us know in Spotify by clicking reply in the Q&A section for this episode or visit The Change Evolutionist on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn to share your thoughts. Never miss an episode. Get notification to your inbox when a new episode is released. Download to your device or listen on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts. To get notifications, 
go to thechangeevolutionist.com forward slash subscribe. For more information and links, check out the show notes. Ron Thiessen is a practicing psychologist and educator. To apply as a guest on the podcast, please visit thechangeevolutionist.com forward slash podcast guest.